0: Somebody asked me if I was excited about speaking last night, and I had to say no, (laughs) not yet. Um, I really wasn't that excited until about, because I was going through this stuff, and um, today about 4.30, the Lord was like, look, here's what I'm really trying to communicate tonight, and then I finally got excited. So I'm going to talk to you from 1 Samuel 13, Um, and... I just want to encourage you, every single one of you has a significant place in the kingdom. I asked if Anderful was. I sent him a text, Anderful, are you here tonight? He had a um, prophetic word about three or four weeks ago that he reminded me, he gave Eric and I about six months ago, and um, he saw the sanctuary in the church, he saw Epic Life at that size where we had that many people coming and last week KC came up to me and had this uh, word which I was going to try to play for you but I won't because that could be complicated. uh, I try to save all my words on my phone. I encourage you if you have a phone that you can record words on when someone starts speaking over you go hold up and record it because it's so powerful. Lately I've been reading those, uh, listening to those, and they are so powerful. And last week KC came up and she said, I keep getting the word multitudes for epic life. I didn't say anything about those words. But I used to run this little Bible study called Brigade, and I did it for about five years. So I thought I would just ask, if you were part of the old guard who used to come to Brigade, could you stand? Awesome. Okay, you can sit back down. The reason I had those people stand is because if you notice, most of them do the ministry in Epic Life. And I just wanna encourage you um, that God has something for you. People used to make fun of me because our leadership ran about 30 and our group was about 45. And people are like, you're an idiot, can you not count? But I wasn't raising up leadership for Brigade, I was raising up leadership for what Epic Life is today. And so I want to encourage you because I feel like we are starting a new, uh, we're in a transition and we're starting a new season. And your place and what you make out of it is up to you. So I want to talk to you tonight from that perspective. I'm apostolic and gifting, which, you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers and teachers. And I'm apostolic, and so when I look at someone, um, I'm not the pastoral person. That would be shady. He kind of, you know, tries to follow me around and <clears throat> tell people he really means well. But I'm <laughs> apostolic. So when I see your life, every single one of you, and another thing about me, um, I'll have like what some people will, would define as a com- confrontation. It's only a conversation to me, and a week later I won't remember it. You know, and it will have been really intense, and don't you remember what you said? (laughs) I wish I did, but I don't, (laughs) because it doesn't stay with me. Um, There's one other thing you should know. Sometimes when there's a powerful anointing, I yell. Um, I can shut it down if I'll close myself off to the anointing, if I'll uh, close myself off to the Holy Spirit, but that typically means that I suck when I preach. So... I'm going to stay connected, so, but when I use this microphone, Sean Lawrence came up. He saw me with this microphone on, and he goes, remember what happened last time? Last time, when there was a powerful anointing, I did yell, and it scared me. Because <laughs> typically, I'll put the microphone out here because I can feel it coming. But if you tend to sleep when people speak, the guy who was asleep when I yelled nearly died and went to heaven. So try to stay awake. All right, Um, I want to talk to you about being a leader because there are two kinds of leaders. And I'm going to talk from 1 Samuel 13 and 14. I'm going to race as fast as I can race. So I want to describe Saul for you. Saul actually was handed a title. The Bible doesn't say anything about any preparation that he got for being king. He was handed the title of king. Because the Israelites demanded, they didn't want to trust God, they demanded a king to be over them. He was really a good-looking guy. The Bible says that he was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. And a lot of times, that's what we look for. When we look for a leader, we look for somebody who has the look. And um, obviously, God doesn't always, um, that's not what God's always looking for. Um, and I just blew my notes away. Oh, hold on. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Jonathan was his son. The only preparation that you can tell that Jonathan had for the position he took was being his father's son. Um, One Samuel 13 talks about how the Israelites were in bondage with the Philistines. And Saul decided to do something about it. So in his great wisdom, he chose 3,000 men. 2,000 were with him and 1,000 were with Jonathan. And he sent the rest of the men home. So in verse 3, and you'll see that was such a dumb move. But he obviously walked in a lot of arrogance because in verse 3 it says, Jonathan attacked the Philistines and the Philistines and he was successful he be, and the Philistines began to get their men together. So Jonathan attacked them, but when Saul sent the word out to Israel, this is how he presented it. Saul has attacked the Philistines, and now Israel has become a stench to the Philistines. So Saul took the responsibility for the victory that actually was not his. culturally, That was acceptable in that time. But you never, never want to step into a place where you take responsibility for something you had nothing to do with because you lie when you do that. An anointing comes flying off your life. Um, This is why, remember when I said he sent the rest of the men home? So he attacked them and the Philistines started to get their men together. 3,000 chariots, remember he kept 3,000 men, 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and the Bible says soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. So the same man who was so arrogant that he took responsibility for someone else's victory thought that that's all it would take. That's all the maturity that he had. When the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army, verse 6, was hard pressed, they hid in caves and thickets, among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. So Saul had the look of a leader, he didn't have much strategy sense, and he honestly didn't have much leadership. It doesn't say anything about Saul. And one of the things that you'll notice is Saul is never who he appeared to be. He was a man who had a title, and he was indeed a king. But he didn't use common sense. Common sense is so underrated. A lot of times when the Holy Spirit really starts moving, all people can think about is the supernatural. But I'm here to tell you, if you forget common sense, sometimes we look really stupid, and do really dumb things. That's what Saul did. But he was the king, so who would question him? Um, Had he had courage, had he been leading, the Bible would not have said all of his men were quaking with fear. A cistern is something they catch water in. His men were so afraid they were hiding in cisterns. A lot of times when we only see our resources and we forget that we have a divine identity, we panic at opposition. It doesn't say anything about Saul panicking, it just says everyone around him was. So I'm gonna ask you what situations because one of the things, if you've heard me speak before, the Bible's awesome, but there's always a practical application. What are the situations that make you panic? Anything come to mind? Because I want to begin to help you to get a paradigm as a, as a son or as a daughter, where panic is not part of your world, nor does fear rule your life but where you step into, you don't have just a title. Because you guys, a bunch of us as Christians have the title of Christian. But we do not have the identity of warriors. And so whenever the enemy comes against us, then we quake. And a lot of times, you know, we have that... um, anointing for manipulation to cover everything up so I look all cool but whatever our, our secrets are whatever the, the stronghold is it all comes rushing to the front and the enemy tries constantly to push those buttons and I actually lived this sermon this week Samuel in verse six, oh, I'm sorry, not six. It's a verse. Whenever Saul saw all, everybody quaking with fear, in verse eight, it says he waited seven days. Samuel was the guy who was in charge as far as the church. Samuel told him to wait because they, they have an offering that they give. And so Saul waited, but Samuel didn't come to Gilgal. And Saul's men began to scatter. So see, by then, he had begun addition, multiplication, numbers. It started coming back to him, and he was like, I have 3,000 men, period. They have as many as the sand on the seashore. Wow, I wish I'd have thought this through. And then when his men started scattering, that was a total freakout for him. So what does he do? Instead of waiting in obedience to the very direct commands that first God had given and then Samuel repeated to him, he had them bring out the offering. And he stepped into a place of what he thought was significance. He actually fulfilled a religious activity. So he looked like not only is he the king, wow, that is so touching. He's also gonna do the priest's job. That's such an amazing man. Wow, you can trust him with anything, can't you? Yeah, there was only one little problem with that. Once again, he had been told very specifically, don't do that. But he, he had a title and he was king, so he could do anything he wanted to. So he did something to, you know, rally the troops because that's all the leadership he had. So many times we try to be men and women of strength and we operate independently from being a son or a daughter. Because I can tell you, I might be a spiritual father to several people, but I'm a son first. Because if I'm not a good son, I cannot be a good father. If you still have even son-daughter issues left over from growing up, You have to ask God to begin to heal those because it's going to be very challenging to be able to walk into a place of significance. And I'm not talking about titles because you guys have been around long enough. Don't you guys know bosses and supervisors who have titles? And you're like, oh, my gosh. I am so sure. You know pastors. And the more that you're around them, it's like, I'll take notes from them, but I do not want to know them better than I know them, because I don't like them. You know? I used to help Pastor Rick, the pastor of this church, on Sunday mornings. And so this guy, and I can't remember who he was, um, but he, this big name was coming in, and and so I would help with the service, then I would go to lunch with them afterwards. And so that Sunday, the week before, I said, hey, I don't think I'm going to be, I'm not going to go to lunch with you guys. And he goes, oh, come on. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. And he's like, why don't you want to? And I'll be, I said, because this dude's been here before. He's really profound when he's behind the microphone. But when I'm around him one-on-one, I don't want to know him any better. I don't like him. Because he doesn't realize that Pastor Rick and I, he, Pastor Rick used to be my pastor in Omaha, so we've known each other a long time. He doesn't realize that. He just thinks I'm, you know, some little flunky, and so he's like, hey, can you go do this? Can you And I have no problem doing that because I know that my character needs that. So when someone treats me worse than I think I deserve, my response always shows me where I'm really at in the kingdom. I have some really embarrassing moments in traffic, but we're not going to go there. Um, And so Pastor Rick was like, come on. I'm like, no, that's what they pay you the big money for. So I don't want to be a leader like that, but sometimes I am. You know, any of you who have been with me on the long haul have seen those moments. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Saul couldn't wait. And if you're going to be a a man or a woman of significance in the kingdom, you're going to be, the picture that comes to my mind, you know in Braveheart? How many of you have seen Braveheart? Yes. 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 In that movie, you know whenever the English are racing towards them and they have those spears on the ground, but they don't know they're there. And he's yelling, hold. And you see the horses and, you know, it's just like. It's so loud and you're like, oh my gosh. I remember the first time I saw it, my heart was like, you know, I'm like, what in the heck are they going to, are they waiting for? Get those things up there. And he goes, hold, hold. And at the last minute, they pull them up and it, to- it it was amazing what happened. You have to be able to do that, but you will never do that if all you have is a title. Because I'll tell you something, in our ministry, it's not a 10-year situation, I tell our leaders sometimes, if, you, if no one's following you, you're not a leader. Newsflash. And we actually have people in, in our ministry who are leaders and have no title. I actually look for the fruit before the title. Because I've learned the hard way, if I give a title before I see the fruit, there's a great chance I'm not going to like the fruit when it shows up. So I've learned to hold, even like as leaders, sometimes you're desperate. You're like, you have all these people coming in. Who's going to be friendly to these people? They might not ever come back if someone doesn't hand them a piece of pizza. (laughs) I figured out I'd rather have you not come back than to have a leader who actually doesn't have the fruit yet. So what you want to begin to ask the Holy Spirit is, because, guys, I do believe these prophetic words. Oh! <laughs> it's kind of like when you're reading a good book and you use a yellow highlighter because you want to make sure you remember that. That's what that is. I know. Some people have these complex, profound, amazing prophetic words. That's all I got most of the time. <laughs> but if you're paying attention, it doesn't matter. You can be a part in the kingdom. It doesn't matter who recognizes you. Because let me tell you, if you're looking for me to recognize you and you're paying more attention to my opinion than you are to the Lord's, you have the wrong person's attention. Because if you'll pay attention to the Lord's, you're going to get my attention. It might take a while, but I guarantee you, you will be a man or a woman of significance because that's what we all want, don't we? I wanna walk in and feel like I'm respected and cared about and that something comes out of my life that, has, that matters. I do not wanna, I don't want you guys to be my age. I don't wanna be the age of Dr. Tar and not be the man he is. Dr. Tar to me, is such an amazing statesman in the kingdom. And when he talks, because he's so young on the inside, when I'm that age, if I can just be that young and that is my goal, I'm going to feel like I made it because I want to have that kind of fruit. Religious activity and talk never make up for a heart submitted to obedience. I love it. I mean, when people say profound things, trust me, I'm listening. And I do make notes on my phone. But even more than that, you know, are they kind to people that they're not going to get anything out of it if they're kind? How do the people that they live with feel about them? Are they responsible? Do they clean out their cars? You know, I told you I was getting practical, you know? Do they manage their lives? Do they keep their word? If they tell me that they're going to meet me at Friday at 5 o'clock, are they there? Or do they break it every single time? And this has been the month. I've literally canceled I've canceled on charity three times. Um, a lot of people I just sent out word, I can't meet with you because I just moved into a new house. But I want to know, how do people live? I'm interested in that. So is God. God. If you live a life of submission to covenant with God and man everything else will take care of itself. You'll never be able to lead beyond your ability to be gossiped about, thought ill of, and even shunned for something God has told you you're supposed to do. If other people's approval means too much to you, you will not be able to lead beyond your ability to withstand sustained ridicule for a season. I'm going to read that again. Because what happened for Saul, Saul realized, oh my gosh, everybody's scattering. I got to do something. Never realizing if he had just checked with God first before he sent all those men home to start with, Or even ask the Holy Spirit, how am I supposed to do this? How how in the world is this going to happen? You know they have as many men as the sand on the seashore. God might have actually given him a clue. But no, he had a title. What did he need God for? I preached to our leaders all the time. I was preaching to myself because today about 4 o'clock, God in the most loving way possible. If you're a person who can never be corrected and no one has spoken to you in correction for the past six months, you need to get a clue. Because I can tell you straight off the bat, you are not a person of significance. And if you get like all, who do they think they are talking to me? Hey, God will send an angel the first time, but just like Balaam, you ignored the angel long enough, you're gonna get an ass. <laughs> Read that story in the Old Testament. That's in the King James Version. That's the old version that we got from England. If, if really, if people start just inappropriately addressing your issues, the angels are gone. And you might as well work with the first ass that shows up. (laughs) Okay, verse eleven. Whenever, so he does the offering, and just as he did the offering, and you know he had to go. Oh shoot! Just as he offers the offering, and he knows inside himself he wasn't supposed to do that. Just as he did it, Samuel shows up. And what's his first word? He's not pastoral. He goes, what have you done? This is Saul's reply. Listen to this. When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling a Mi'kmash, I thought, not I consulted with God and this is what, I, no, no. Or I sent somebody after you really quick. Oh, no, no. I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Did you hear that? There was not one place he said, I realized God said this, and I also remembered that you told me not to do it. But I just went ahead and did it. Wow, I'm really sorry. I think I screwed up, huh? Oh, no, no. He's like, when I saw that the men were scattering, there's logic. I mean, any good leader, I'm, I'm the king. I don't know if you know this or not, but, oh, that's right. You anointed me. Anyway, obviously, then you didn't come. Like Samuel, you're time management. You said you'd be here, and you weren't. So really, I mean, I don't want to say anything to you, because I know you got a lot of authority, but <coughs> anyway. And then the Philistines, they're assembling. I don't think you get the gravity of this situation. Oh, and I hadn't sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled. Many times, if you're title-oriented, you're always doing it because you're driven. It doesn't come from your identity, which is, I'm a son, what would my daddy do? Mm, I don't know, so let me just wait until he says something. And you're right down to hold, hold, hold. And he hasn't said a thing, and you're like, I don't know if you realize you're getting ready to have a dead son. Do I matter to you? (laughs) Because a lot of times God doesn't say anything till the last minute. You know why? Because he wants you to operate out of your sonship and not your title. Because titles, honestly, to me, don't mean squat, they don't, because I've seen so many people with titles, and they're so, they want everyone to know, I don't know if you know it or not, but I'm on the leadership team here, we don't even have this, I've never even smelled it, because I can smell it a mile off, and I'll get one of those little cattle prods, and just like, "Mm." maybe that was the Holy Spirit, I don't know, because I got my cattle prod behind my back, we had those in Texas. No, I can't stand that attitude. Because I want men and women who are willing to work. You know, when everybody else walks out, work. We had some, I have some daughters in Reading. Shayla, Elizabeth, and Shayla. Shayla Todd, Elizabeth Reisinger, and uh, Shayla Johnson. They're all amazing women. They used to be here, they came to Brigade. And whenever they were here, if you see them come in, they'd come in, especially Elizabeth, I think she sleeps in stilettos. And so they'd come in looking like a million bucks. But when it was time to clean up, they were cleaning up. Because they were so much more than makeup, you know? I saw their character, I fell in love with their character. Because if all you got is stilettos, you ain't got much. We as men and women, we have to go beyond what the appearance is to who we truly are. And step out from behind titles and go for it. Because we're going to see, oh, we're going to see a mighty move of God. I truly believe that. But that's going to happen when we don't care about titles. And people walk in here and we don't walk in ourselves with this attitude of, wow, I hope they have pizza. No, you walk in like, who do I get to minister to tonight? Because I'm a son, and I know that there's going to be people here who don't, they still think they're orphans. Yes, they're Christians. They have the title of Christian, but they have no idea that they're a daughter, that they're so significant that they matter in the kingdom, and I'm here to show them that. That's who you have to mature to for the people who are coming Oh, my notes went off again. Sorry. Saul took no responsibility for anything he did. He was completely unteachable. He never even acknowledged that he had been spoken to. Let me ask you do you have a life that invites wisdom? Does your life invite wisdom? I can tell you how you know that, because people share things with you that are wise. And they say things to you that give you direction for your life. Or they'll say something and check me. I, I actually have people around me who are totally unimpressed by my you know, uh, reputation ferocity, and they just... Say straight up, um, pops. I think you're operating out of fear right now. Oh, <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't always agree. I don't like just give up on the first time. And I go, well, actually, I noticed this and this, and you know, hopefully by the time they get to the third point, I'm like, um, I think you're right. It helps me stay in the place I'm supposed to stay, which is a son. I making sense? Yes. Interestingly, by the time the sacrifice was completed, Saul only had 600 men left. Why? Because when all you have is a title and you act like he acted, nobody's going to follow you. I love chapter 14 because it talks about Jonathan. I love Jonathan. Because actually what Samuel told Saul when he offered the sacrifice was, you are going to lose, you and all of your family are gonna lose the legacy you could have had. So Jonathan knew that he was never gonna be king after his father. You never hear one word, no sniveling, no whining, If you look at Jonathan's life, he simply walked as a son. He was not impressed by titles. It says, one day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Why not? Would you tell your father if he acted like that? God put something totally crazy in your heart that doesn't make sense. Saul's always thinking of his own hide. Jonathan's getting ready to risk everything. Saul's quaking under a pomegranate tree of all things. It says, no one was aware that Jonathan had left. That's how his own father fathered him. And I'm telling you, many of you here have had a father or a mother who took you very carelessly. They took their responsibilities to parent you very carelessly. And I promise you that if you will ask the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to your heart, he will set you free from the pain of that. And he will give you an identity as a son. You have to fight for that identity. Because if you don't, you will always operate out of woundedness. And so you'll never be able to step into, if you can't work through the things that your mom or your dad or your guardians did to you, it'll be very challenging to step into being a son or a daughter of the father. This is what he did. I love Jonathan, he goes, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. He knew he was a son. He knew who the circumcised guys were, because those are the people who serve the Lord, and he knew who the uncircumcised were. That's what you have to know. You have to know, is your heart circumcised or not? Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Unlike Saul, it was all about Saul and everything Saul did. Jonathan says, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. Oh, oh, show, whether by many or by few. Do you hear that? You didn't hear any of that out of Saul. Jonathan, what was his title? Saul's son. If you have a father like Saul, what's that mean to you? Nothing. I'd be embarrassed if he was my father and he acted like that. Some of you look at your own father and your own mother and you feel like you have nothing to take forward into your life. You have everything to take forward into your life because you have a heavenly father whose character is impeccable, who will never let you down. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. His name is a powerful name that you wanna have in your life. There's nothing that can shake. It doesn't matter what your failures are. It, I had a, one of my spiritual children call me today and tell me they had taken a fall. And I was like, baby, get back up. Shake it off. Have you put it under the blood? Yeah. Good. That's where it belongs. And that's where it is. I don't think any less of you. You have a destiny that's so powerful. I think you need to get more sleep because that makes you vulnerable to sin just like it does me. So call everybody about tomorrow and tell them you can't come and go to the movies and have a great day and go to sleep tonight. I don't think any less of you. God doesn't think any less of you. Shake it off. That's the kind of father that you serve. But you'll never know that because Romans 12, 2 says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The transformation part, the Holy Spirit will do, but you have to renew your mind. You cannot be lazy and think you're ever going to be a person that other people look to or respect because they're not. Because renewing your mind takes focus. You have to pay attention to what you're doing. You have to intentionally live. Who do you hang out with? That's what Jonathan was doing. His armor bearer, he chose well because here's what the armor bearer said, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come then, we will cross over toward the men and let them see us. Now listen to what Jonathan says. This is another thing you have to do. If you want to operate as a son, a powerful man or woman, you can't go by logic. I spent my first 50 years I'm 57, I spent my first 50 years operating from this right here. Remember when Saul said, so I thought I should, yeah, I had many of those powerful moments. (laughs) That's why I had a sex addiction for many years that ruled my life, because I was always thinking and analyzing. I have a master's in guidance and counseling. I don't know if you realize that. I hope you're really impressed. Actually, I found as I went through the program, most of those people were as screwed up as me, and that's why they were there. Anyway, I know there's some who aren't, so don't be offended if you have a master's and you're not screwed up. So um, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, this is totally illogical. Come then, we'll cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But, listen to how he, if they say, come up to us, we will climb up. Because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. Does that make sense to you guys? No. I should have asked, how many of you does that make sense to just to see who's paying attention. That's a dumb plan. However, he was secure in his identity and in the power of God. I want to encourage you be willing to appear illogical and impractical, even stupid, to win the battles you fight for God. Because many times, God offends your mind to accomplish victory. When I started having, they're called like manifestations, when I started yelling and I shake sometimes, I was very embarrassed because I'd always preferred dignity. I love looking dignified, especially a person of my age, you know, and I loved the look. I know how, many of you know too, you know how to cultivate the look The only thing was, I was actually getting victory over this little sex addiction that I mentioned that trashed my whole life. And the Holy Spirit was like, "Um, for years you looked like you had it together and you were trashed on the inside and now I'm setting you free and you look like the village idiot and you can't have both, which will it be? It took me about that long to go, I'll take the idiot. Because I was tired of all the pain that my sex addiction brought me. And I'm here to tell you tonight, stupid hurts. And sometimes when people are like, no, no, I I don't want to talk, what will people think of me? I can't tell the truth. I'm like, okay, keep living like that. I'm cool with it. I'm going to like you either way. And let me know how that works out for you because at some point you guys you can stop the pain the things that keep you from oh from stepping into your destiny the things that you are afraid you'll never be able to overcome you'll never be able to beat you can beat them you can't do it with this you will use this but you cannot do it with only this it takes the anointing of your father and in order for you to have the anointing of your Father, you got to get out from behind all the titles that we all crave. Please make me, I want to be on the worship team. I don't know if you know I sing. <laughs> How would I get on the worship team? Well, I, we actually, I loved it. Tonight we had two new people singing. I loved it. I love what Aaron and Amber and Jadita are doing as worship leaders. They're raising up just some powerful Worship leaders. But if you're looking for that to get your significance from, you're not going to have any anointing when you take the microphone. Because you've got to operate from being a son, not from the title of being on the worship team. You have to get the first things first. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan as an armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. Now you would think, realize they're going to climb up a cliff. So they're using their hands and their feet. The Philistines are standing above them. I think it would be really fun if I'm the Philistines, just to like drop rocks on them or anything, you know? Yeah, you scare me to death. You're climbing up the cliff, and when you crawl over the edge of the cliff, I'm just gonna kick you like that, and you're gonna go off the edge of the cliff again. Come on up, stupid. (laughs) I also forgot to mention there are only two swords. Saul had one, and he's quaking with fear. Jonathan had the other. So his armor bearer did not even have a sword. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. If you're gonna operate as a son, you've gotta see with your father's eyes. And when he tells you things that scare you to death and that you're not even sure it can actually happen, do what your daddy tells you. I don't do stupid things. And by stupid, I mean God told me to jump off of a, build, a 10-story building and he's going to catch me on the way down. No, I have some people that I run things by. And hopefully they wouldn't all be mad at me on the same day and they would stop me from doing that. Against the same odds that made everyone else quake in fear, Jonathan and his armor bearer climbed that cliff. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. If you will choose to have courage and to be unafraid, your daddy's power will come in behind you and it'll be more powerful than anything that you could ever have done. It says in verse 15, then panic struck the whole army. All it took was one guy who had the courage and the bravery to operate as a son. He didn't have a title. And by the way, no one had made him, you know, you can do this. You have this title. All he had the authority to do was to pick a little fight with a sword and a dude who didn't have one. So I'm here to ask you, what is God asking you to do? What fight is he asking you to pick? ask the Holy Spirit. It's small at the beginning. And when you're faithful in that little skirmish, you'll turn around and the whole army will be running before you. This was the army that was numbered as the sand on the seashore. Jonathan was faithful In the little bitty, seemingly insignificant thing, he was stupid enough to climb a cliff to pick a fight. And the whole army was completely routed. And his father, the king, the dude with the title, was so out of touch with his own son, he didn't even know who was gone. They hear all the noise, and so he's like, Number them in. Figure out who's gone. If you had a son like Jonathan, wouldn't you want to know where he was? A lot of you guys, you're waiting for somebody to notice you. Well, they're not asking me to be on the leadership team. I'm not doing that. Stop waiting. Ask your father your real father. The one in Jeremiah, it says, before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. I don't care who you are here tonight. I don't care what word curses, lies, and accusations. I don't care what word curses, lies, and accusations have been spoken over you tonight. That's all they are, and they don't mean that much in the kingdom. I'm a person because of my sex addiction. I actually was molested um, when I was 12 by a male friend. My parents took me to a counselor and unbeknownst to them, because he was married, had a family, he was also a predator. So that took me down some roads that I never intended to go and that I didn't deserve to go. So by the time I was mid-20s, I was not the guy that everybody thought would be a, a rousing success. I hid it for the most part because I was ashamed of it, but I actually lived in denial for so long that it took a huge stronghold in my life. So when I started fighting it, I had to fight like heaven to beat it. It doesn't matter what's happened to you in your life. It matters. God cares about every tear, but I'm here to tell you, I don't care what's been spoken over your life. It does not determine your destiny unless you let it. You can renew your mind. There are so many tools here, just in our own fellowship that we use. We have, you hear these testimonies every week, and they're for real stuff about all the powerful things that God is doing. And I'm telling you tonight, God created you for a very specific reason. I don't care if you're short, tall, fat, skinny, you have muscles. You have horrible hair. You have a bad complexion. You're really good looking. I don't care how, what you think your package is. Because God cares about this. And amazingly, the more I paid attention to this, my package started looking better. How I'm made on the outside. And I can tell you, I mean, I know some of you are wondering, my God, how how bad was it when you started? (laughs) But I'm here to tell you, God can, he can totally do powerful, powerful, life-changing things for you beyond your greatest imagination, your dreams. Some of you don't even have the courage to dream. I never did. I never had the courage to truly dream until the last couple of years. And I'm really still kind of a baby at some of that. Your dreams can come true, I promise you. The Lord rescued Israel that day because one man had the heart to exercise the small amount of authority he'd been given in complete submission to a crazy plan he believed God could accomplish through him. Five years ago when I started doing brigade, I had people who thought I was dumb And I think it was me, Roman, a guy named Tom, and Austin who started. Just three folks. Uh, Four four people. God's done some amazing things through that. Begin to ask the Holy Spirit. And you may not be there tonight. And I'm about done if the worship team wants to go up. You may not be at a place in your life tonight where you even have any idea of who you are in the kingdom. You have no sense of significance. When I graduated from high school, I thought I'll go to college until my parents get tired of paying for it and then I'll have to go home with them and live with them for the rest of my life. That's how much confidence I had. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what your mistakes were. I don't care what choices you've made. Because God treasures you, and I treasure you. So tonight, as uh, Jared, if you wanna, Jared's gonna close the service. But as, as we close the service, ask God, what small fight, it may just be showing up and speaking to somebody who's new. You might just start working, handing out t-shirts. I don't know what your small fight is, but God does. Be faithful in that one, and there'll come a day when you'll have a fist that knocks the enemy out every time you swing it. Because muscles don't happen overnight. You gotta build your muscles, but I'm here to tell you, you build some and you start small, there'll come a day when your arms are 20 inches wide, I promise.